Man, first Kurt Russell, and now Goldie Hawn is back, playing a major role in a current Hollywood blockbuster. It really does feel like the industry's priming the pump for that Overboard remake, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it's really on the way. Go ahead, look it up. I'll wait. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this episode, we're going to be taking a long, hard look at the new Amy Schumer, Goldie Hawn comedy Snatch. By the way, that title is supposed to be a dirty pun, right? I mean, it always struck me as such, especially since the marketing sells it so hard as a gender-flipped Taken. But I digress. There's plenty of time for all that later. Before we get into that, I was looking for a complimentary topic to touch base on, hopefully in keeping with the Goldie Hawn of it all. Uh, just to match our Snatched review, and uh, I didn't want to rely too heavily on another Let's Talk About Six in the interest of mixing it up. And when you know it, this year, July 31st to be exact, thanks IMDb, marks 25 years since Han hammed it up big time in the black comedy Death Becomes Her. That's always been a personal favorite of mine, so before we delve into Snatched, allow me to share my endless love for Death Becomes Her a bit. Unfortunately, this segment doesn't have a cute accompanying jingle or even really a name. Flashback Friday sort of feels overdone at this point. But it would be fun to essentially look for excuses to talk about some older movies that I've had a strong reaction to over the years. In the case of Death Becomes Her, directed by the great, great Robert Zemeckis, who, yes, has had a rough time lately with some box office misfires, The Walk and Allied, but who deserves a lifetime free pass for Back to the Future alone, not to mention Forrest Gump, who framed Roger Rabbit, Romancing the Stone, used cars and its assortment of others. The guy has made consistently solid movies, especially throughout the 80s and 90s. Um, in the case of the, anyway, in the case of this film, I remember seeing the film, uh, seeing Death Becomes Her in theaters with my grandmother and really enjoying it. Um, for those unfamiliar, the story centers on two former frenemies, played by Han and Meryl Streep, who wind up caught in a bitter rivalry centering over a plastic surgeon, played by Bruce Willis, and a potion that maintains one youthful appearance at a terrible price. So uh, it really delves into a lot of heady themes involving immortality, aging, and, and that kind of thing. Um, of course, I was still in elementary school at the time that the film came out, so all the social commentary about the obsession with youth and uh, vanity and all that went right over my head. And mostly I was really just intrigued by the wacky and ultimately Oscar-winning special effects and was already a fan of Hans from films like House Sitter and Overboard, both of which I've seen far more than I care to admit. In fact, I remember being subsequently freaked out by the dead eyes that Han's character has for basically the second half of the film and being fascinated with the darkness the film depicts. Um, remember, I saw this the same year that Aladdin was my birthday movie, just to put that into context. So why do I love Death Becomes Her so much? Well, there's the cast for starters. Han and Streep, of course, are impeccable here as the angry aging women. And both know exactly what kind of film they're in. Both of the characters, nicknamed Mad and Hell, naturally, are terrible people. Terrible, pe terrible people. Yeah, that too. Terrible people. And their performances are deliciously over the, over the top. These are A-list stars who we're so used to see playing these sympathetic characters that we really root for. And here they get the chance to really let loose and have some fun. And, and it's very apparent on screen. Moreover, the film has one of the very best and most underrated Bruce Willis performances ever. John McClane himself plays against type as a pathetic, alcoholic, washed-up doctor who's barely hanging on by a thread and is all too often used as a pawn in the chess game involving the two leading ladies. It's ultimately him that really has the most well-defined arc and emerges as kind of the sole character that audiences can really root for. Um, also, as I mentioned, the, the visual effects are top-notch and mostly still hold up 
There's some wonky uh, digital head replacement involving Meryl Streep's character whose neck gets all twisted up about midway through. For those of you that haven't seen this film, it sounds totally uh, ludicrous, I'm sure. But the uh, the hole in the middle of... <laughs> again, sounds silly. But the hole in the middle of Han's torso particularly stands out as some great effects work. Uh, also, the script by Martin Donovan and David Coop nails the perfect balance of satire and sort of fantasy thriller. Um, some horror with some horror elements thrown in. But mostly there's strong thematic through lines here involving the inherent value in aging and, and a, a mythology that is barely scratched at in the film itself with the incomparable Isabella Rossellini right at the heart of it. It's just a really fun film to watch and one that I find myself regularly thinking of. After seemingly an eternity, ironically, ironically considering the film's notion of immortality, Death Becomes Her was finally released on Blu-ray last year, though, though it really is sadly light on insightful special features, especially considering that, you know, there's a bunch of, um, there's a high amount of deleted scenes out, purportedly out there, that, including an alternate ending and all that, and it would have been cool if for the, for the long-awaited Blu-ray release if they were able to restore some of that and, uh, you know, either provide an alternate cut or, or just a deleted scene section. As it stands, the Blu-ray is very light on special features, but I was just, as a huge fan of the film for so many years, I was just really happy to see it on Blu-ray at all, because I had not owned it on anything other than VHS. Yeah, millennials, I know you're all out there being like, what's VHS? It was before digital and before Blu-ray and before DVD. Damn, I'm old. Uh, in any case, Zemeckis, his cast and crew here, put together a film that, well, not without its flaws. I'm not going to say the film is perfect. There are, it, there's some pacing issues and there's some... There's some uh, moments that seem sort of out of left field. There's a there's a moment with a scene with some floating nuns that is just basically there to make you go, what the fuck? <laughs> but uh, is never really explained or, or has no real purpose in the story at hand. But there's just so many darkly humorous moments um, that it really it's something that it's one of those films that is I I felt like I've understood and enjoyed more the older I've gotten. It's one of those films that. You know, you grew up watching, but you don't really understand what it was about until you got older. And you're like, oh my god, this is brilliant. And it still stands as one of my favorite Han performances. And an at times hilarious, at times bizarre film that, much like its leading ladies, is truly ageless. So I just wanted to touch base and look back on Death Becomes Her in commemoration of the 25th anniversary of that film's release. And sort of set the stage for uh, where I'm coming from with Goldie Hawn and how... How many of her films in the late 80s, early 90s, Foul Play is another one, and The First Wives Club. Um, I mean, and, and she's been in so many great films, uh, Protocol and Private Benjamin, things like that, over the years. That She really has become sort of a, a Hollywood icon in some ways. And for Snatch to mark her return to the big screen after such a long absence, and we'll get into that in a moment here, it, it, really, does, uh, it really does merit sort of pointing out and looking back on the career that she's had to date. And what an impact she's had on on the world of cinema over the years. With that, let's move into our feature presentation, our review of Goldie Hawn's new film, Snatched. What I need is an amazing adventure. Where the hell are we? The scenic route. Why did you come to South America? I never wanted to come. For the cultural experience. I don't speak any Spanish. I know what they call me. The restaurant, puta, which means princess or pretty. Or... No, it means whore. That checks out. I'm gonna get us out of this. Okay, so we're gonna be doing our normal review format. This time around, we're gonna go over the hype, 
the story, the cast, the production, and then finally the verdict. So moving into Snatched. All right, so first, the hype. So as I alluded to earlier, Snatched marks Goldie Hawn's return to theaters for the first time since the 2002 comedy The Banger Sisters. As such, the film has a bit more anticipation built into it than it may have otherwise. Amy Schumer here, of course, makes her second effort at establishing herself as a reliable movie star after the Judd Apatow-directed Trainwreck, which she wrote, proved to be a significant hit back in 2015. Since then, controversies really, really picked up surrounding Schumer, and and it's grown kind of exponentially in the past few years. In fact, Snatched has barely hit theaters, and for some reason, is currently sitting at a 2.4 on IMDb as of this recording. No doubt fueled in part by the same misogyny and sexism that led Paul Feig's Ghostbusters reboot to blow up the internet last summer. But how does Snatched really hold up as a film, all that nonsense aside? Moving into the story. Well, for starters, it's a steep decline from Trainwreck, which I quite liked. You can see my written review in the link below. This one comes from director Jonathan Levine, who did 50-50 in The Night Before... Warm Bodies and some other movies, The Wackness, and screenwriter Katie Dippold, who did The Heat and Ghostbusters, the aforementioned reboot, not the original, of course, both of which were Paul Feig directed, and he actually serves as a producer on Snatched. The film follows Emily Middleton, played by Schumer, who clings to her regular persona as a boozy, fun-loving woman-child as she attempts to, to bounce back after a breakup by taking her mom, played by Goldie Hawn, on a trip to South America, or Ecuador in spe uh, more specifically. Instead, the mother-daughter bonding takes place amid a kidnapping plot, and hilarity predictably ensues. There's not really too much in the way of spoilers here. In fact, if you've seen the trailers, the vast majority of the best jokes have already been revealed throughout. Actually, there are a couple jokes that were in the trailer that I thought were kind of funny that weren't even in the movie. So I have a feeling that it's um, like a lot of Paul Feig and Judd Apatow movies that there are probably there are probably quite a few alternate takes that will likely end up on the Blu-ray at some point. Um, really, it's just kind of a series of nearly dis disconnected misadventures that kind of see the women you know, uh, fall into one situation after another as they attempt to outrun these people that are after them and find their way, uh, find their way home and find their way to safety, basically. And, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. There's not much, there's not much in the way of surprises along the way. And like I said, a lot of the best gags were basically, uh, sort of spent in the marketing campaign leading up to the film's release. So as far as those different scenarios that they find themselves in, they range from mildly amusing to kind of bland and off-putting. There's, um, there's an interesting emotional storyline involving the two leads that delves into both generational gaps and the complicated relationships between parents and their adult children. But neither theme, to my, you know, to, to my estimation, is explored effectively enough to elevate the gross-out gags and raunch comedy to, to anything more substantive or meaningful. And the material isn't funny enough on its own to um, to compensate for any lack within the story itself. So moving into the cast. So of course the performances here are solid. Han and Schumer have great chemistry and a few genuinely heartfelt moments. Since the film does deign to be about repairing this broken relationship between the mother and daughter, though it, it both performances sort of feel oddly restrained and and kind of. Um, bigger than the material they're working with. Uh, Han and Schumer are, of course, both really talented comedic actresses. Uh, Schumer specifically, you know, blew me away in Trainwreck, not only with her comic timing 
I mean, we knew she could do stand up and that kind of thing, but also with her kind of with her range. I mean, that that's a that's a real performance she gives in that film. It's not just sort of a a one note kind of uh, I don't know Will Ferrell, Kevin Hart or whoever I can, whoever you could think of the kind of stock portrayal. It, it delves a little deeper, and here she she's playing a more superficial character uh both in the way that the, the character is more narcissistic constantly taking pictures and worrying about social media and her, and her appearance and that kind of thing but also in that there's not really a whole lot of depth to her um and, and i think that the the fact that the story here and the characters are 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 doing a disservice to the actresses is, is kind of a it's kind of a bummer um because both han and schumer are saddled with such an undercooked and wildly uneven script i mean they they can't help but falter as a result and instead the bulk of the laughs which are fewer than there should be fall on the supporting cast ike barinholtz and bashir salahuddin have an especially goofy subplot as han's son and the u.s official he's begging for help from respectively uh that was a fun subplot that sort of threaded throughout the film and wanda sykes and joan cusack in a pretty much wordless performance you'll see what i mean by that are predictably scene stealing. I've I've been fans of both of them in past works, especially uh, Cusack, in, in particular, and she has a tendency to do so much with so little, and I think this uh, this film really kind of extrapolates that point out to its fullest extent. And Christopher Maloney here feels like he's in a more subversive and in some ways sort of um, smarter film than what Snatched ultimately is. He feel he feels like he's. He's essentially this sort of uh, tracker slash expedition explorer type guy that the the two ladies come across at some point, and uh, he he brings some of the best lines, some of the best uh, humor. Uh, one gag, and specifically specifically that sort of uh, kind of underlined the whole uh, feminist nature of the story itself. And, you know, maybe if his character was threaded into the film more effectively, he could have elevated it more more substantially along the way. But um, even him, even we don't get enough of him in this film, unfortunately, either. As far as the production, production-wise, there's not really anything specific that really stands out. The direction is competent. But then again, we know that Levine is a solid filmmaker. 50-50 still is his best film and the other ones that I mentioned already. The script here doesn't really have the laugh factor the film needs. And uh, and there's nothing specific. I mean, usually when I talk about production, I touch on you know the music or um, or the visual effects or the cinematography or the editing or or something. And this film doesn't really excel. It's just sort of fine uh, in kind of all those departments. It's it's not really exceptionally good or bad. It's just kind of it falls. On, and there's actually a great video that I just recently watched. I didn't think it was on Screen Prism, which is a YouTube channel that does some really great work. I have to check on this. Uh, actually, no, it wasn't. My bad. It's uh, Nerdwriter1, I believe. And he had this great video about uh, the epidemic of passable movies. And I highly uh, recommend you checking that out. Actually, I'll put a link for that in the show notes. And tr- um, Snatched is very much a passable movie. It's... It's fine. It'll it's, it'll be a, a decent distraction for an hour and a half, but there's nothing in it that will make you be like, oh, I can't wait to rewatch that or introduce it to other people or pick it up on Blu-ray and watch it, you know, rewatch it at home and have have a few drinks or whatever. It's there's nothing in it that's really revisitable, for lack of a actual term. Um, so that leads us directly into the verdict. 
So Schumer has been the target of some pretty nasty vitriol online in recent years. And you know, while I do find her funny and remain interested in what she does next, Snatched was not the best use of her comedic style and was even weaker use of an actress of Han's caliber. The fact that she came, uh, she broke her, her absence from the big screen for this film, I, I wonder if it was just um, Amy Schumer's enthusiasm and wanting to work with her, maybe, maybe Goldie Hawn's a fan of her work or something, because there's nothing here to lead me to believe that she was really wowed by the material. I mean, she has a daughter, so maybe she connected with it, you know, with her relationship with her daughter Kate Hudson as a result of of the uh, the story here or something. But it, it really is not up to up to the kind of film that would pull her out of quote retirement, um, if it even was that really on her part intentionally. More than anything, Snatch will likely remind viewers of other better films from directors like Paul Feig and Judd Apatow, um, Spy, The Heat, Bridesmaids, Knocked Up, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Trainwreck, even. Um, and this one just feels more like more of an imitator and never truly establishes itself as anything fresh, distinctive, or hilarious enough to really exist. So I'm going to have to go with a 2.5 out of 5, mostly because the supporting cast keeps it just entertaining enough to uh, to you know keep you from nodding out or walking out of a theater and uh, and the presence of Schumer and Hahn is fun uh, though underwhelming especially considering that you know you have a real star in Goldie Hawn and sh this should have been the film to sort of cement Amy Schumer as a movie star and in fact in, in in fact I think it actually has sort of the opposite effect and she kind of sh uh, sticks into a overly familiar shtick. This is her second headlining film, and uh, yeah, that's not that's not good. This she should have knocked it out of the park. Hopefully, this will just be a sophomore slump, and she'll come back with a stronger film next time. Uh, she does have a couple projects in the works, so in the meantime, yeah, I, I snatched would probably be a good one to rent or Redbox, or check on demand, but as for heading out to the theater to see it, you might be good to just, you know, check, go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 again, or, or, uh, or, you know, find a, find a better use of your time, unless you're just dying to see the movie, or you're looking for an excuse to take your mom out for Mother's Day, or, you know, a night out with the girls, and for that kind of thing, I understand, it, it's, it'll, it, it'll get the job done, but don't expect anything uh, on the level of some of those other films by Paul Feig and Judd Apatow, people like that, that I've already mentioned. So that's all for our review of Snatched. You can rate and review us on iTunes if you'd be so kind. Also find the Crooked Table podcast on Stitcher. You can reach me at Crooked Table on Twitter, Facebook, and the other social medias. You can find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies at crookedtable.com. Next week, the Force will be with us as I mark the 40th anniversary of Star Wars with my thoughts on all things relating to the galaxy far, far away. If you listen to this podcast, and clearly you are right now, uh, you know I love me some Star Wars, but I've never really touched on the saga as a whole. Kai and I did two episodes before and after sort of talking about The Force Awakens, what our expectations were, and then our ultimately our reaction for the, of the film. And I you know, mentioned things along the way of, of my, uh, my adoration for the Star Wars saga. But this is my chance to share my personal connection to George Lucas's creation, where it's been, where it's going, and all my favorite corners of the franchise. Until then, I've been Rob. We'll catch you around the table next week. Roll credits.
So I was already planning on making a, an encore segment in this episode, but it's considering that apparently I either I've talked faster than normal uh, about Goldie Hawn movies, or the fact that I just didn't have that much to say about Snatched. Yeah, I'm actually even gladder that I have an encore uh, item to bring to the table. So a couple weeks ago on my Facebook, my personal Facebook, not my Facebook page, my profile, I uh, one of my Facebook friends posted a video to a Garfunkel and Oates song. And since then, I have fallen deep down the Garfunkel, Gar, Garfunkel, that's hard to say, Garfunkel and Oates rabbit hole. That means YouTube videos. That means listening to their three albums, and uh, and I've re- I've already been a huge fan of um, comedy musical comedy acts. In fact, I did an article for CheatSheet.com on them. I'll include that in the um, show notes below. And of the five acts that I included on that, Garfunkel and Oates is the only one that I had was familiar with, and I did research on, and they kept coming up, but that I wasn't really completely, you know, um, entrenched in their work, uh, until now. So from songs like Pregnant Women Are Smug to, uh, 2931 and, and, uh, the, the Fade Away and, uh, they, they just have so much, um, so much rich material and granted it's all really dirty. So if you have kids, this is not Weird Al. Um, this is more like a female lonely island. Uh, basically, actresses Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci uh, have a very folksy, like a folk rock approach to their music. It's sort of, uh, sort of like Flight of the Concords meets Lonely Island in that way. In fact, much like Flight of the Concords, they had a sort of um, quasi, like they played themselves basically in uh, versions of themselves on a short live TV show. Their um, Garfunkel Notes show was on IFC, whereas Flight of the Concords was on HBO, but it's the same kind of them actually playing, you know, variation on their own persona and uh, their own band and trying to make it work and, and keep book gigs and dealing with relationships and stuff in the midst of all that. And I just recently, like I said, Garfunkel Notes Rabbit Hole, uh, watched those eight episodes on um, on Netflix. I watched their 2015, I think it was 2015 or 2016, I believe. They're trying to be special. And uh, basically, I've been kind of putting their music on loop the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I, I just love any, any kind of music that can make me laugh, which is why I love bad lip reading so much and some of the songs that they've created on YouTube. Uh, anything that can make me laugh and also have like real musical talent behind it it is a win for me and uh, something that's automatically going to be going to be something I'm going to want to add to my iTunes or create, uh, you know, add add to my actually have a a playlist called silly shit. That's all Lonely Island, Weird Al, Tenacious D. And and now I need to get my hands on some 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 Garfunkel and Oates music so I can add that to that to to that uh, to those ranks. So they have three albums, the most recent of which is called Secretions and it came out in like the fall of 2015. Highly recommended check them out if you're a fan of Lonely Island or Flight of the Concords or or Tenacious D or Weird Al, any of that kind of parody uh, parody slash satirical comedy music, I would definitely check them out. Um, like I said, not for your kids. Un- un- unlike my last couple episodes ago, 
my last edition of the encore where I talked about Sky High. That that yeah, watch Sky High with your kids, and then when they go to bed, listen to Garfunkel and Oates on your heads on your headphones and uh, and enjoy them because uh, they're highly underrated. I, I mean they're they're famous, but they're not that famous. They still feel like their fan base is pretty culty right now, even though they've been around since the late 2000s i think like 2009 their first ep dropped and they've been i think they started basically as youtube sensations and kind of blossomed out from there so um if you're not familiar with garfunkel notes and you're a fan of any of those other things definitely check it out um i'm gonna keep listening to them and uh and if you want a little tip this actually goes full circle to my friend that commented on my facebook uh facebook wall Check out the song "Save the Rich." It's it's pretty applicable to uh, to some political things going on right now, and that's actually the one that got me um, got me hooked into checking out the rest of their catalog. So Garfunkel and Oates, yes, it's a play on Art Garfunkel and uh, uh, Oates. I forget his name. I think it's John Oates. What is his name? And uh, the two have the half of uh, Hall and Oates and Simon and Garfunkel, the lesser half. Some people would say. So I would definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, John Oates. I was right. Okay, good. And let me know what you think. Send me a uh, t- tweet and let me know if you enjoy Garfunkel and Oates or if you're like, that was a terrible, terrible recommendation. I'm never listening to your encore segment again, even though it's essentially bonus content that doesn't really have any bearing on anything timely. But you know what? That's why we have this. So I can tell you guys what I'm doing and what I'm listening to, reading or watching and uh yeah just ramble on about it for about five minutes which i have just done so i'll uh, catch you guys next time this has been a production of crookedtable.com all rights reserved